Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. The following podcast contains explicit language. Hello? Hey, it's me. Hey. Hey, what are you doing? I am looking out at the... Oh, my God. I'm looking out at the lake and a woodpecker just landed on the branch. Oh, well, do you want to take a break from the woodpecker and talk about script order? Uh, More than anything. Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Sarah Fain, a TV writer and producer living in L.A., and with me is my high school friend and writing partner of 18 years, Liz. That's me, Liz Kraft. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. In this episode, we'll discuss being the boss, or in our case, the bosses. Then we'll talk to our friend, Jean Allgood Gaysford, who you may remember from episode 14 when we talked to her about being happy or not in Hollywood, about the 40 bags in 40 days decluttering challenge that's sweeping the nation. We'll also talk to our assistant, Mary, who's got a Hollywood hack that will help you up your networking game. Mary's networking game is strong. Yes, she's on point. Yes. But first, an update. Sarah, in episodes 52 and 53, we debated (laughs) whether or not we should stop referring to mixed-gendered groups of people as guys. Yes. And without re-arguing the whole thing, the upshot was that we decided we should stop calling people guys. That hasn't gone so well. In fact, we got a letter about it. Yes. Jennifer wrote, I just listened to your podcast and found it ironic that you are determined to stop using the word guys. And after a long discussion about it, you then commenced an interview and used the term you guys many times. Oops. Even the women you were interviewing used that term. And you know what? There was nothing wrong with that. Don't overthink this one. It's not worth it. Guys is a neutral term that is used in conversation all the time. And uh, yes, Jennifer, <laughs> you wrote us and many others wrote us as well. We've had many people point out that after all our talk, we still use guys constantly. Yeah. But we still do agree with the underlying premise that it is inherently a sexist term. And so our goal is still to eliminate it from our vocabulary, but it it may be a long process. Yeah. Breaking a habit is very hard, especially with language when it's just something that kind of rolls off the tongue. But we're doing our best. Feel free to keep pointing it out when we make mistakes. (laughs) 
Okay, Sarah, let's dive into our segment from the treadmill desk of in which we discuss what's most pressing in our work psyches. And today it's being a boss, actually being a good boss, or in our cases, good bosses. Right. Yes, our ABC pilot, The Fix, was recently picked up to series. We're the showrunners, which means we're in charge of making the whole show not only be awesome, but also run smoothly and, this is very key, on budget. Yes, So we've been thinking about what kind of bosses we've been in the past and what kind of bosses we want to be. Yes. And there's definitely a difference between being a boss and being a leader. Like a boss assigns tasks and controls employees and makes decisions. But a leader needs to be something bigger. Yeah. Needs to be able to inspire people to want to do their best work. Yeah. And, of course, we want to be great bosses and great leaders. Right. No easy task. Not easy at all. Which is why we're going to talk about it right now and set ourselves on a wonderful path. (laughs) And then let you know how it goes. Yeah. Um, So we've been bosses several times in our careers, and we've not been the boss many times as well. Yeah. And the good news is each time we do it, we know more than we did the last time. Yeah. So hopefully this group of writers, cast, and crew will benefit from 20 years of lessons that we have gotten. And so will we, because, you know, you the more you do things, the better you are at it. And hopefully our lives and our uh, sort of mental health will also be better. Well, wouldn't that be nice? Yes. Yeah. And I'm hoping that in these 20 years or so that we've been in this business, we haven't developed too many bad habits. Right. Because goodness knows we've seen a lot of bad habits of various jobs Um, things not to do. And a lot of times what you see that's bad is as, you know, um, educational as seeing things done well. Absolutely. I think we have learned um, so much by seeing other people make what we consider mistakes. Yeah. um, And by making our own mistakes. Yes. And so, okay, let's break it down because, look, some things are going to be very particular to being a showrunner. Right. But other things that we're talking about really apply to any boss. Yes. You know, if you're the boss of one person, you're a boss. Yeah, absolutely, in any field. Um, The biggest one for me, Mm. really, is being respectful of other people's time. Mm, Yeah. It's so important Um, And I know as soon as I feel like somebody's not being respectful of my time, uh, like, it's done for me. We shut down. Yeah. You especially shut down. I When I look over and I see you (laughs) browsing the Internet on your iPad in the room, then I know Sarah doesn't feel respected. Yeah, Sarah has reached (laughs) fuck you level. Yes. (laughs) Um, Yes. And, like, for us, in the context of being TV writers, that means not keeping people sitting in a room— fruitlessly for hours on end. Yes, because one thing, I know we've mentioned it before, but we should explain again, um, a lot of being a TV writer is sitting in what we call the writer's room, brainstorming stories, breaking down what scenes are in each episode, and it can be an endless um, process that can really drain you and burn you out if you spend too much time in there without enough breaks or just too many hours. Or And without feedback from yes. the people in charge. Yes, which happens all the time. All the time. And we're not going to do that thing that, that so often happens of you sit in a room all day and then we come in at 6 o'clock 
Yeah. And, you know, and that's when the real work starts. Yes. Yes. That is not how we operate. Yes. We don't believe in keeping people late for no reason. Right. It's like if we have to be there late, it'd be better for us to go and post or something where we're only keeping one person late, not eight. Right. Exactly. Um, and then another thing that this is a small thing, but it always bothers me. So yes, it's something I really your... <laughs> want to do, which is let people know what days we're taking off. Yes. Because it's like Thanksgiving. People are always wondering weeks, if not months in advance, well, are we working the Wednesday before Thanksgiving? Are we supposed to work the day after Thanksgiving? Can right. I go away? Can I not go away? And nobody wants to ask Mm -hmm. um, because they don't want to look like the person who's like trying to, you know, get more vacation time. (laughs) So I want to make those decisions um, early on, let everybody know, and then everyone can buy or not buy plane tickets accordingly. Mm -hmm. Another area that is, for me, difficult— but is important, is being willing to have difficult conversations. Yeah. And that's probably one in the past that has been one of our weaker areas. I think it's a lot of people's weakest Mm -hmm. area because I think as human beings, difficult conversations are our least favorite thing in life. Yeah. But it really, I mean, not only, um, like, is it important because people just deserve to know, say, if they're not living up to what you think their potential is, but Mm -hmm. a difficult conversation can help someone then succeed. If you're not willing to have a difficult conversation, usually things just go south and you end up firing the person or marginalizing them in some way. So whatever department it may be in, if it's, you know, and look, some, luckily not all of these difficult conversations will be ours to have. Other people um, will also have to have, it'll be their department and they'll have to have the difficult conversations. Yeah. But the ones that we need to have, we need to step up and have them in a timely manner uh, face-to-face. Yeah. And then we see a big part of our job as showrunners, particularly working with writers, to be to bring up other writers. Because in TV, writers are producers, and they need to develop those skills. So sort of across the board, we want to train young writers in how to be an executive producer. You start as a staff writer and your sort of producerial level moves up every season that you work, basically. Um, And there are people now on shows who don't get any producing experience, but their title will be co-producer, supervising producer, co-EP sometimes, co-executive producer, but they don't actually have producing skills. Yes. So we're going to make sure everybody produces their own episode. That means they're in casting, they're on set, they're in editing, they're doing their own episode. There's more and more in TV people are group writing episodes, um, whereas we think it's for the learning process, it's much better to have your own episode for us to give notes on a draft. Mm-hmm. And maybe that that could take four hours. I mean, you can have a lot of notes on a first draft yeah. with a young writer. But we think it's important to go through that process and then they do a rewrite and we give more notes, et cetera, et cetera, so that they're learning. Right. Um, and then the next time they do a first draft, hopefully it's you're only be better. two hours of notes. Exactly. Yeah. So we're committing to that process, even though it can be very time consuming. Yeah. Well, and then this is obvious, Sarah, but something that I always have to remember because I'm a lot less decisive than you. Be decisive. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to have so many decisions that yeah. we have to make thousands, some small, some big. 
And what I've learned over the years is a lot of times it's more important to make a decision than the right decision. Like many <laughs> decisions can be right. Right. Um, but something needs to be decided because otherwise all work stops. Right. And time is of the essence in television. Truly time is of the essence. Time is money. Time is literally money. Lots and lots of money. Yes. Yeah, I agree with you. And then communication, that mm. once a decision has been made, making sure that everyone knows what that decision is and that it trickles to everyone who needs to know what the decision is. Yes. And if there is stuff going on by stuff, I don't know what I'm referring to, but just the, <laughs> in, you know, that um, intangible stuff that goes down in the workplace. Uh -huh. Um, we want people to know about it because there's nothing worse than sort of sitting in the writer's room or being on set and knowing that shit's going down, but you don't know what it is right. and feeling like you're in the dark and no one's talking to you. It's mm -hmm. like, these are our colleagues. These are our partners. Every single person who works on this show is, you know, inherent to making it a success. So mm -hmm. everybody should have whatever information um, is going to be useful. Yes. Um, and this falls into what we were talking about in terms of making sure um, everyone has the skills to do the job, mm. but delegating. Mm, yeah. Like, yeah. it's so important. We cannot do everything. No. It's a lot of work. Yeah, it's a huge amount of work. And we'll have people in the writer's room who are more than capable of working independently and doing great work. Mm -hmm. We'll have editors who are amazing. Mm -hmm. We have an insane crew, an amazing director, producer. Yeah. Like letting everyone do their job. Yes. And then passing off things as we need to is going to be very important. Yeah. I mean, one thing I've noticed over the years is that a lot of times the reason people don't delegate is out of insecurity. Yeah. They're afraid if they let something go, what if somebody does it better or even as well as they do? It makes them less important. Mm -hmm. But what but what we've observed is that the more someone delegates well, the more powerful and the more capable they look yeah. because they're using their team in the right ways. Um, I'm not worried about us feeling insecure. I feel like we got past that. Yeah. Um, we might feel terrified at times, but not necessarily insecure. <laughs> yes, there's a difference. That's true. <laughs> and then, of course, this is another one that really, I'm sure, goes beyond just the writer's room. Mm. No closed doors. Yeah, we don't mean that literally. Obviously, people may close their doors, so they so choose. <laughs> But we've been on shows that have sort of a clicky atmosphere yeah. where small groups of people tend to go into an office and shut the door and stay in there for hours at a time. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, what's going on in there? Oh, they're doing something. They're working on a story. I don't know what story. Why are they? How come not us? That is just the opposite of how we like to operate. Mm -hmm. um, we feel, I speak for both of us, that it's extremely toxic. Yeah. Kills morale. Um, you don't get the best work. We're really into the team atmosphere. Yeah. Maybe because we are a team. Maybe. Uh, well, know. and it's just to me, it serves us to have everyone be super invested and everyone doing their best work. Yeah. Why would I not want everyone to do their best work? Yes. And it's like that doesn't mean you can't ever split people off to work on something on their own, but it doesn't have to be in a sneaky way. Right. To me, it's like this sort of sneaky stuff that some people seem to enjoy. Right. They feel like they're in the in group yes. kind of thing. Or, yeah. And I don't enjoy that. Right. Um, now, Sarah, 
I want to emulate Sean Ryan, creator of The Shield, one of our first bosses, one of our favorite bosses ever, one of our mentors. Mm-hmm. Um, he, nothing rattles him. No, I want to emulate Sean in all things. If I could just like, uh-huh. you know, make a, like a Buddha, you know. A Sean Buddha. Sean Buddha, <laughs> I would. Um, yes, and both like worship it and try to be it. Yes, Because nothing rattles him. He always stays calm. And it makes everyone have such confidence in him because he's calm, they're calm. He always seems to know how to handle a problem. I mean, he must not know internally every second what he's going to do, but he always just stays calm. And we've talked about staying calm on this podcast before. Mm -hmm. Um, I have talked about Liz Dolan's mantra um, for work, strong, calm, kind, um, which I hope to embrace, not just Sean's calm, but the whole strong, calm, kind yes. thing. Do you know I actually had a perfume made that I call strong, calm, kind? Did you? I oh, did. my God. That's amazing. <laughs> I'll get some for you. Okay. Our <laughs> listeners might remember my personal mantra, which was um, weak, hysterical, and mean. Uh, but anyway, we're going. We're going to emulate Sean. We're yes. going to be calm and strong and kind. Yes, he is all those things. Yes. All right. And then most importantly, this should be fun. Yes, it's a fun job, as we keep saying. And we actually do enjoy it. Yes. And the people <laughs> we work with enjoy it. Yes. We all want to be here. Yeah. This is the, we're living the dream. Yeah, we make TV for God's sake. Yes, it is supposed to be fun. It is fun. We just yeah. have to let ourselves have fun. And, and know the more that fun we're okay. having, yes, the better the show is. And the more fun we're having, the more fun other people will have and the more invested they'll be and the yeah. more they'll put into it. Yeah. Um, so let's have fun. Strong, calm, kind, and fun. (laughs) Are you a good boss? Do you have thoughts on how we should be good bosses? We would love to hear from you. Email us at happierinhollywood at gmail.com or send us a voice memo. Coming up, we're going to talk about decluttering with Jean Allgood Gaysford, but first a word from our sponsor. Liz, there is nothing I love more than having a delicious meal that I didn't have to cook, which is why I have been getting no prep, no mess meals from Factor. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Last night, I had blackened salmon with broccoli and with cauliflower rice. It was so delicious. It was the perfect dinner. Head to factormeals.com slash HIH50 and use code HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code HIH50 at factormeals.com slash HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Okay, Sarah, now it's time for Take a Hike, in which we talk about mental, physical, or spiritual health. And today it's mental clutter clearing, specifically the 40 bags and 40 days decluttering challenge. And our friend, Jean Allgood Gaysford, who gave up her glamorous, high-powered career as a movie producer in Los Angeles to live a simpler and to us very romantic life in Montana, is going to tell us about it and why we should do it. I know I should do it. Yes. Um, so, Jean, welcome. Hi, Jean. Hi. 
Hi. Hi. Thanks for having me. We're so excited to talk to you about this. I, in particular, think I need the inspiration for decluttering. Um, so you're a big advocate of the 40 bags in 40 days decluttering challenge. Can you can you tell us what that is? Sure. I, for the past few years, every Lent, have taken an opportunity to, to lose a few things each day in Lent, mm. and that's been my Lenten obligation. So. Mm. This year, I found um, a website, uh, the White House Black Shutters, did a challenge of 40 bags in 40 days. And I thought that was really useful because I was doing just 10 items a day for 40 days, which is nice because you get rid of 400 things. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> but the 40, 40 bags in 40 days really forced me to um, focus each day on a bigger space. And I, I really cleared out a lot more stuff in that 40 days of Lent. And it got me going on a really good path to keep clearing out. Yeah. And I've noticed um, mm-hmm. looking up this challenge that there are some guidelines you can use. Like um, you can look it up and it will say in the kitchen, look at your upper cabinets, your lower cabinets, look at the drawer, look, you know, look at their vitamin storage. Like it'll list all these different areas that you might not think of, of as clutter-clearing targets, which actually are targets, which I find really useful. Yes. And another thing they, they offer on that website is a PDF that you can download, and it encourages you to write down the places where you're going to look. For example, my closet took up three spaces on that line because I had a lot of things to clear in my closet. I had shoes. I had coats. I had you know um, hanging clothes. I had folded sweaters, in, but I never felt like I could do the whole closet at once because mm-hmm. it felt so huge. Right. So I do think that that PDF is an awesome principle um, to help you make it more specific for you because not everybody has a messy kitchen. Not everybody has a messy closet. Not everybody has boxes of books mm-hmm. and Michigas under their beds. <laughs> <laughs> So, Jean, is this the kind of thing where you take everything out and only put back what you need? Or is it more just go through everything and, and pull stuff out that you don't want anymore? I love the, con- the the Marie Kondo method of pulling everything out and looking at it, but I can't. I don't work best that way. Um, so the nice thing is that it doesn't have to be that version of it. For me, after those 40 days, I have now a small attractive box behind my front door so that people don't see it as the first thing they see when they walk mm-hmm. into the house. But I use that every day. I pick up something else and I put it in there or two things or seven things. Um, so I don't do the Marie Kondo method because it doesn't work for me, but I know it works for a lot of people. It did help me when I was coming down to a, a capsule wardrobe because I just wanted to get down to having, you know, 50 things in my closet, not the 39 in the in the capsule wardrobe, but I just wanted 50 things. Okay, we're going to have to call you again and have a whole <laughs> yes. capsule wardrobe conversation. That <laughs> yes, is like its, its own a, thing. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's I'm so impressed. It is. It totally is. I am fascinated with <laughs> capsule wardrobes. And what was the hardest clutter for you to clear, like just psychologically? Um, there were three areas that were really hard for me. The first was shoes, mm. um, which I just, I have shoes that are totally impractical for my current life mm-hmm. that I've hold, held on to for a really long time. And there's still a few pairs that I can't let go of. I don't know why mm-hmm. I can't let go of them. Part of it is the nostalgia of those moments in my life where I could wear 
shoes with like a three or four inch heel. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And just the memories that are associated with that. Mm -hmm. And then I have another area that was hard for me to let go of is DVDs and books. Mm, Yeah. I love books and every book that I've read and loved, I want to hold on to. But unless I've read a book like three or four times, I decided that I had to let it go because I wasn't going to read it again. So Mm -hmm. that was, that, that was pretty challenging to get to that place. Same with DVDs. I mean, we have Amazon Prime and Netflix and mm-hmm. Hulu and all these different places where I can download or watch for free all the movies that are in my catalog. Mm-hmm. So getting rid of the DVDs was a big deal. And then, of course, you go like technological, like, you know, emails are hard to delete. Mm. I don't know why. So that's part of the decluttering is emails is stuff that isn't actually yeah. a physical item. Anything that takes up your the brain space mm. is clutter, that right? So your space kind of matches your brain. Right. And you walk into a room and it's full of clutter and you can't think of the one thing that you need to think about. You're thinking about all of the the other things that are there to distract you. So, I mean, that's for me that that includes anytime I spend on the computer, if I've got 12,000 emails, you know, it's like, whoa, yeah, (laughs) what should I be doing with it? I am obsessed with getting my inbox to zero. I don't get there. It's right now, I think it's at 12, which I think is pretty good. Mine's at like 37,000. But, Jean, this leads me to another question we had, which is, you homeschool your kids, which is oh, such a big, uh, you know, I can't even imagine taking that on. Um, but does having less clutter make that easier? Yeah. And if so, like, why? Oh, well, it goes back to exactly what I just said. The more clutter in the room, in the space where we're doing our school, the more we are easily distracted. Mm-hmm. I mean, if there's anything on the dining room table besides what we're working on, that's what we do. Mm. (laughs) Um, And finally, Jean, I want to know, do you have any tips for those of us who have psychological resistance to clearing clutter? Like me, for example. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Well, I think actually the biggest thing is before you bring something new in, take Mm. a beat and consider if there's something that it can replace. And that's something that I, when I started doing that with the kids, I found it really helpful for me. Okay. If I buy a new shirt, I pick one out of my closet and I put it in the bin to go to the to uh, our, our local thrift store. Mm, so that's, great. that's a way to not increase the clutter. And then as a way to start decreasing is if you do have a nice bin that you can put at your front door and just if you walk by something and you realize, God, that's been sitting there for a month and I have yet to touch it, put it in the box. Mm-hmm. You don't have to bring the box to um, our our thrift store. Our local one is called Saks Thrift Store, and all of their money goes to help uh, women uh, who suffer from domestic violence and their children. So I have this box, and once a week I make a trip to Saks, mm-hmm. and wow. that really helps me. All right. That's great. And then advice. the one last thing is Marie Kondo advice that I really do love is that she says something grateful or says thank you mm. to the things that she's getting rid of. And that is super useful too, to remember the good things and the great, the re- reasons to be grateful for that piece that you had and wish it well oh, <laughs> and, it on right. way. and let it go it's, out it's into down, the world. Yeah. Let it go. Let somebody else find it who needs it right then. Right. You yeah. know, that's great. Yeah, that is so great. that helps too. Right. All right, I'm going to try and do that. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, Jean, thank you so much for getting us 
inspired. I'm not going to say we're going to commit to 40 bags in 40 days, but I think you've at least gotten us inspired to do a few bags yes. each, maybe more. Maybe Sarah, I could, I can see in her eyes she wants to do this. All um, right, and ha- I'm in. Thank you, Jean. And where can our <laughs> listeners, um, where can our listeners find you? Um, on Facebook, there's a private group called the 40 Days of Uncluttering, and they're welcome to come and check it out and join the group and join the conversation. We have a great group of folks on there right now, and we all share ideas about how to unclutter our lives. Oh, cool. Great. And again, it's 40 days of uncluttering. Excellent. All right. I'll see you there. Okay. <laughs> thanks, right. Jean. Thanks, well, Jean. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Next up, our assistant Mary shares a Hollywood hack that helps her calm her nerves. But first, a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And now it is time for this week's Hollywood hack. Remember, all people are weird. (laughs) This one comes from our assistant, Mary, and she's here to explain how she came up with this particular hack. Welcome, Mary. Hi. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, you know, lately I've been doing or trying to do a lot of networking, um, not just with assistants, but with agents, managers, young executives. And um, the day of drinks or coffee, I always get super nervous. I always think, why did I even do this in the first place? Why did I sign up for this? But then something that calms my mind is realizing that all humans are weird. Uh-huh. Like in their private life, they all do weird things like <laughs> check out their pores in the mirror and, you know, like to do that kind of weird habits, you know. So you just have to that, that really calms my mind that we're just like all human, even if they're higher up the chain than I am. Well, one, I love that you're doing so much networking. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think you, more than anyone we know, is kind of a networking expert. So is it hard to ask people to meet you for drinks or whatever it is to network? No, it's super easy. I mean, it's just a quick email. It takes five seconds. And, you know, most people want to be mentors. Most people want to help people. I, I feel like most people are, they like to hang out and and be of assistance to assistants. And if they don't want to, they just will ghost you and not reply to your email. Right. So. <laughs> so what do you say in in your emails to people? Well, usually I say something nice about them, like, you know, I'm a big fan of your work. Um, I like the clients you represent. Mm-hmm. I mean, that really works with the agents. You know, I say, hey, I read these scripts of your clients and I really liked them. And And I'm being honest. You know, if I weren't being honest, I wouldn't want to meet with them. And um, it, it, that's really all it is. And then usually they'll say, if they do want to do drinks or coffee, they'll say, my assistant will be in touch. And then we set it up. Good for you. <laughs> I know. It's yeah. very impressive. And then when you're sitting there going, oh, shit, now I have to talk yes. to this person for half an hour. Mm-hmm. You yeah. just go, okay, all people are weird. Mm-hmm. It's going to be okay. You know what this reminds me of? The uh, public speaking thing of picture the audience in their underwear. Mm-hmm. Right. That's supposed to remind you that, like, you know, everybody is sort of silly at the end of the day. Yeah. And so you're just speaking to a bunch of people in their underwear. 
This feels like in that world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, except I don't. Yeah, if you don't like the underwear thing, which I'm not a yeah. fan of that, so that's <laughs> you why you don't want to picture people. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I just say okay, yeah. Some people, you know, like to do you know pop their zits at home and uh-huh. that kind of thing, and then you imagine that, and then you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> he, he's just a person like yes, us. We're all yeah. the same. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to know that everybody is out there networking and, um, you know, doing their thing. That's great. Yeah. And I'm glad you're having good, um, and, good response. And I think it's good for assistants to have drinks with other assistants. But mm-hmm. I do think it's, you know, trying to make the jump of, um, you know, reach out to the young manager, reach out to the young agent because— the worst thing they can do is just not respond. Back. And they're all weird. We're all yeah, weird. We're exactly. all weird. Wise <laughs> words from Mary Merkins. And that is it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. Email us or send us a voice memo at happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and please subscribe if you haven't already. Special thanks to Jean Allgood Gaysford for joining us today. Thank you to our producer, the amazing Chuck Reed, and everyone at Sancola Sound. Thank you to the awesome ad team at Panoply. Thank you to our assistant, Mary Merkins, for helping us juggle the insanity that is our lives right now and seemingly always, and for reminding us that, hey, are weird. And as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram, at Fain, and Liz is at Liz Craft. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join in on the conversation. Until next week, I'm Liz Craft. And I'm Sarah Fain. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. I so relate to what Jean was saying about not being able to throw out shoes. Oh, I know. Like, I have my shoes from my rehearsal dinner, which did not (laughs) fit that night and never will fit. There's no chance I would ever wear them again. But I just cannot bring myself to get rid of them. Well, of course not. You think that's okay? I cannot judge you for that. (laughs)